0: Mindfulness Mode.
1: Focus on what's in your control and let go of everything else.
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe. I'm here today to talk about a mess. Do you ever feel like your life is a mess? Do you ever feel like you're dealing with a mess on a day-to-day basis? Well, my guests have a podcast called The Fit Mess, and their website is even thefitmess.com and the goal of The Fit Mess is to help you to take small steps every week toward living a better, more fulfilling life and what a great goal that is because that's all it takes, our small steps to move in the right direction. So I am very excited to tell you that I have Jeremy Grader and Zach Tucker with me today. Hey Jeremy, are you in mindfulness mode today? I'm trying
1: really hard. Today's one of those days where the, the training hasn't quite been enough, but I'm doing my best to keep one foot in front of the other and try and get there. Yeah.
0: Good. And what about you, Zach?
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I, it's been back to back meetings for me today, but I spent you know the first 20 minutes before the meeting started doing a little uh,
0: meditation, so it kind of set me up for success for the day. Cool. Well, it's really great to take some time for meditation just to get yourself grounded and feeling better. And uh, so that's kind of cool that you did that. Jeremy, do you meditate as well?
1: I do. Yeah, I, I typically do more of a, a traditional meditation, just sitting quietly for 10, 20 minutes a couple times a day, at least once if I can do it uh occasionally it's a little bit more active just today to sort of get some of the energy out as you know i always get kind of anxious about doing interviews like this so i took my dogs for a little walk along the creek and just really tried to pay attention to keeping one foot in front of each other and, and just really like watching it's along the creek so i'm watching the water flow and just really be present in that moment and uh, and have some gratitude and appreciation for that opportunity and the opportunity to be here with you
0: well that's awesome sounds like you like getting out into nature as much as i do that's great well, we're yeah. we're
1: both in Canada, so it makes it
0: very easy. Oh, right? you are in Canada. Where are you in Canada? I'm in Chilliwack, British Columbia. Okay, what a beautiful place to be. Gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. So, Zach, what does mindfulness mean to you? Such a big question. It is, uh, you know,
2: you know, mindfulness to me is is just being able to uh, do what you need to do, handle the situations you need to handle in a calm cool collected manner um i know for me personally i have i've dealt with a lot of issues around you know having like a temper and being angry and frustrated and um you know things like that uh just due to due to the way i was raised and you know being mindful to me and the practice of mindfulness has allowed me to kind of move into that that spot where i can i can handle day-to-day things In a way that, you know, with a nice deep breath, I can handle things. They don't trigger me. They don't do those things they used to do to me that would make me angry and, you know, throw something across the room. Um, So, you know, for me personally, it's very much about being able to stay in control and be in the moment in whatever
0: situation I'm in. Right. Well, yeah, that's very important to have that sense that you're in control. So, Jeremy, I'm really curious about when you started this podcast, because you guys have been podcasting together for quite a while. What instigated this?
1: Uh, it's all Zach's fault. He's, it, he, it was his <laughs> idea. He dragged me. No, actually, uh, so up until last summer, I spent the last 20 years in commercial radio. And while doing that, I also was sort of dabbling in podcasting, doing some consulting, did my own show. I actually started podcasting in 2004, but it was a whole different world and a whole different show and a whole different lifestyle. And, uh, that show was, was a fun hobby that I did for a long time. And as it came to an end, as my lifestyle changed, uh, largely because a lot of the conversations Zach and I were having about our own wellness journeys and, and our you know goals for our health and all that, we were getting really open and vulnerable with each other. We were relatively new friends and, uh, and we were really realizing that we don't hear guys talk the way that we were talking to each other. We don't hear men being open and vulnerable and sharing that it's just hard, right? Like going to the gym is hard. Caring about yourself enough to speak up for yourself is hard. There's just all these, you know, expectations that, that are sort of on us to be these stoic robotic men in society. And we were able to really break those walls down and, and share that pain with each other. And so eventually Zach came to me and said, you know, with your background in podcasting and what we're talking about this, there, there may be something here that we should be sharing that can make other men and other people aware that this is a reality for us. Yeah. And I thought he was completely nuts because we didn't have any certificate on the wall that said, Hey, we're an authority in the space and we don't have the formal education to, you know, go out and, and tell people how to live their lives to be happier. And so I started sort of exploring what are other shows in this world doing and Found that they were turning to the experts and asking them, "Hey, what do you know? What what can people do to improve their lives?" And that was really the clincher for me. Is that, you know I've had so much experience with interviewing. There was this this exploration that I was on for my own wellness, and I you know I really realized that you know I'm a, only a couple steps ahead of some other people. But Zach was only a couple steps ahead of me when we started, and it changed my life. So if we could turn those conversations and those messages into helpful tools and resources for other people, you know, I, I couldn't say no. So that, that was really the, the start of the show.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great that you did that. And I've noticed that you had some amazing guests on the show and it truly is a learning experience, isn't it? When you get to interview these people. It is,
1: it's, it's a masterclass in some of the most profound thinking and, and uh, you know, approaches to life that I think you could ever experience is when you do get one-on-one time with someone for 30 minutes or an hour with these, you know, in some cases, people that are world-class fitness leaders and world-class biohackers and world-class scientists and thinkers. It's just, it's mind blowing when, when you get a chance to just really pick their brain and find out how can I apply what you know to my life and how can I share that with others? It's just really yeah. profound.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Zach, I was going to say, I, I read in the bio that, uh, at one time you were almost 300 pounds and you were a smoker and then you made this, this, uh, change. Tell us yeah. about that. That must have been a, a huge challenge to make this change and start running and everything you did. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely tough.
2: Um, so smoking was definitely one of the, to this day, it's still the hardest thing I ever did because those things are, uh, crazy addictive. Um, Yeah, I was, I was almost 300 pounds, like in the two nineties and I had just gotten my first job kind of out of like real corporate job out of college. Mm -hmm. And while I was, you know, a bigger guy, um, my mind was really sharp. So I was able to get a good, you know, good job, but I went in for the interview for this one job and I was like, I don't want to smell like smoke. I'm going to put on a nicotine patch and not smoke before, um, went in, you know, got, did well on the interview, got the job and then showed up for my first day. And my boss looked at me and said, hey, oh, you smoke, huh? I would have never hired you if I'd known you smoked. Oh, wow. And like that was that was the, you know, the rock bottom for me in smoking, right, where I realized that like my professional career would would be impacted. And and oh, there's all those health benefits of, of quitting, too. So that was that was the moment that I quit. And then it was like weeks later, the same company, they were like, hey, we're all going to run a 5K in the middle of summer. And you get to leave work at noon, and I was like, "Oh, I get to leave work early. That's fantastic! I will run a 5K." Um, and then I went to try and run the 5K, and like got, I don't know, a sixteenth of a mile in, and I was on the ground, you know, like crying and wheezing, and yeah. um, and I was just like, you know what? Like this, this is. I don't smoke anymore, and this is the thing. These are the things I need to do to like, you know, continue being a social butterfly within work and like just progress as a human being. And, uh, I just kept at it and sure enough, I ran the 5k, um, you know, I think I did like nine minute miles for the 5k. Um, but that was the start. Like I lost, started losing a bunch of weight from that. Never really changed my eating style, but quitting smoking and running helped. Um, and then it was like six months later, people started giving me gifts of like, you know, like those goos and like, you know, like professional runner gear. Oh I was yeah. Like, oh, oh wow. I'm actually a runner. This is crazy. And from there, it was just little thing after little thing after little thing, and you know, here we are, years later, and I'm in the best shape of my life, the happiest I've ever been. And are you still a runner? Uh, no, actually, something kind of went a little haywire with my knee. So anytime I run more than three or four miles, my knee starts to bug me. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't really run anymore. I go, I do across, I go to a CrossFit gym and um, beat the snot out of myself there. And I do lots and lots of yoga, um, and walking, you know, walking 15 miles in one day is no, no issue for me. I do that pretty regularly. So I stay really active, um, in, in other ways. I like to ride my bike and, um, actually the other day at the gym, they made us run four miles as part of the, part of the
0: workout. And my knee is like a little tweaky right now. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I I know what what you mean. That can happen. Uh, Jeremy, do you what do you do to stay fit?
1: My well, my current love is stand up paddleboarding. My my oh. wife finally talked me into buying one because she really wanted one, and I was you know resistant forever because I didn't want to spend the money. And then she bought it, and I found out how fun they are. And so it's not only been a great physical fitness tool, but you know, just last week I I had a week long uh, episode of depression and something I fought my entire life. And I just one day I dropped my kids off at school and and I live right next to a massive, beautiful lake. And on the way home, I I dropped the board in the water and just went out and had some had some U2 in my ears and was just paddling away, you know, battling the waves and just trying to stay present. And again, in nature, being a part of just getting in the water, just connecting with the earth, really grounding. And, uh, you know, for me, that that has always been the drive for my physical fitness is that it really helps me manage my, my emotional and mental health. Um, you know, sure. I've I've got an ego like everyone. I want to look good and you know, and, and have a healthy body and, and all of the things. But for the most part, the thing that drives me is keeping my mental health clear. So that's that's my new love. Uh, my my first real love was biking. I that's really what started me on this whole wellness journey. I also had a knee injury, mm-hmm. and uh, my physical therapist said if you don't start riding a bike, you're going to end up replacing both of your knees. And so I bought a bike that week and became the weird guy that rides his bike to work every, every day, because that was just the only way I was like going to fit it into my day. And that was really what introduced me to being present in the moment is, you know, commuting through the city on a bike. If you're not present in that moment, that moment's not going to last very long. So I, I just fell in love with, with that, uh, just being present experience. And uh, I went to my wife and I said, I love this so much. How do I bring this into my life in other ways? And she said, I'm not qualified to answer that. Go find a therapist. And so I found a therapist who introduced me to meditation and the Dharma and all of that. And that just I just found that, you know, once the the biking door got kicked open, then meditation kicked open three more doors. And it's just been this exploration ever since then of every time I try something new and say yes to something, that I just I grow so much. So, you know, again the, the, the biking, the paddle boarding. I love kayaking. I love, you know, I take my dogs for several walks every day. I'm pretty active. I try to get to the gym, but I do hate it a lot. So it's really oh, hard to, to keep that routine up. Um, but you know, in the end, I, I have to really focus on my mental health and that's what gets me out the door every day.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so Zach, I wanted to ask you, have you ever experienced depression the way uh, Jeremy has described? Have you suffered with that as well in your life?
2: Um, I have I do suffer from depression. I don't think nearly as, as much as Jeremy. Um, I have um I, I run on the anxious side to to the extent that, you know, a a professional, um, you know, I ran through like three days of testing for anxiety and a professional, the way she worded it to me was, you know, showing me, you know, using her hand, she's like, Here's the top of the chart for anxiety. And you're about six levels above that. Oh wow. So um I I get really really anxious and I'll get depressed based on like how I react in an anxious moment to a situation um but you know definitely not like the the depression that Jeremy faces so like we you know Jeremy lives in the past I live in the future and once a week we come together and focus on right now but um Yeah. So I don't experience it quite like that. I I have to manage my my demons of of anxiety and I shouldn't say demons because I've made friends with my anxiety and I love my anxiety and I treat it very well and, you know, tell it to get its corner whenever I need it to. So,
0: yeah, well, it's it's fascinating listening to your podcast because you guys do talk about stuff that I haven't heard guys talk about before. Why is that, Jeremy? Why is it so hard for guys to open up with each other and talk about stuff that really matters?
1: I mean, if, if most guys are like I was, you were told growing up, toughen up, rub some dirt on it. You know, don't be a wuss. Get out there on the field. You know, what's your problem? What are you crying for? Knock it off. I mean, we, as men, we're conditioned to not have feelings and to not express them and, and to make space for them. And there's certainly nobody, nobody available to hear them and allow them to exist. So we felt, I, I think there's just something inherent in both of us that we, either of us was ever really drawn to the sort of small talk, to the, the superficial conversations that, hey, Bob, how about the sports ball event the other day? How was that? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Me right? too. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It, yeah. It's, it's great to have those hobbies and, and, and sports and things can bring community together. Not like there's a place for it. Yeah, but man, I I got to tell you, COVID driving me to uh, to working from home is one of the best things that ever happened because I don't have to have a thousand small talk conversations at the cubicle every day of, mm-hmm. oh, how was your weekend? Oh, what are you gonna do this week? You don't care. You don't care. It does, we're all just existing together. Yeah. So so to find someone in Zach and and a lot of the relationships I have I've had for many years because they're rare, mm-hmm. where you can find someone where you can say, hey, I'm hurting. Like it's, it's deep and and I'm crying and this hurts a lot and I don't know how to get through it, you know, help me. And to have that receptive, you know, ear on the other end of the phone or, you know, in, in the living room or whatever it is, that's huge, but it's, it is, it's it's conditioning. You know, as men, we're not told that, we're told it's not okay. We're told to stuff it down and to not feel it and not express it. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's where it comes from is it's just a, a social conditioning thing. And I think that we're at the beginning of a, of a change in that. I think, you know, millennials are, are kind of on the cutting edge of, of turning that tide, but you know, they're trying to overdo thousands of years of conditioning from, you know, from the caves. So yeah, I I think it's going to be a a long haul, but that's, we're trying to be a part of that, trying to be a part of that mission to help guys in particular feel like there's a place for them to to have and share their feelings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Zach, I want to talk about guilt. Do you ever have a, difficult time dealing with guilt in your life?
2: Um, Yeah, I think, I, I think so. I mean, uh, there's, I can think of, I could think of far too many um, occurrences of, you know, my, my teenage self doing something that, you know, was um, offensive or hurtful to somebody else that um, even to this day, like I still, you know, will like think of that moment and have that like my ears, fire up and like i just i have a physical manifestation of it um so yeah i know i i definitely do um feel guilty about a lot of things um but i think and it was actually pretty deliberate um it it really pained me a lot to think about it in the past and i think i've got a better handle on it now so i do still have that initial um like urge of like oh why did i do that or like regret right yeah um, but then I really just remember like you know, you are the person who you are right now because of all of those things and and again, I'm okay with who I am today. I'm happy with who I am today. I'm sorry for some of the things I did and if anyone's listening, I'm really sorry. Um, but but those are in the past. I can't change them and, and, it, and it is what it is. all I can do is be a better person going forward. So I, I, that's how I try and deal with guilt is to really just pay it forward and be a better person.
0: Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Jeremy, you talked about your dogs already. Tell me about your dogs and how they help you in your life. Are they uh, an, a mindfulness influence for you? They
1: should be. They really should be. Right. I mean, I, have watched, I can't tell you how many episodes of uh, Caesar Milan and how many times I've heard him say that the, the dog in your life is you know there for a reason to be a guide or whatever. My dogs make me nuts. You know, they, they bark at everyone at the door. One of them, I can't really trust around small kids. The other one is just afraid of his own shadow and and, I, and now, you know, when I was younger, my kids were, my, or my dogs were my kids. They were everything. We went to the park every day. We did, I, like, they were, I, I bought a truck so that my dog would have a place to ride, you know, in the car, right? And now I'm like, oh, the dogs, what do we, we got to fit them into the schedule somehow. Uh, so they should be, they should be a part of my mindfulness. I, I should use them as a tool. But as a parent now of young kids, the, the dogs take a, a much farther back seat on the journey um, so yeah, I, speaking of guilt, I, I wrestle with guilt <laughs> as a dog owner, yeah. as a parent, as a husband, as, a, you know, trying to be a small business owner, you know, guilt is a huge part of all that. And, and the dogs are a, a bit of a reminder of that. Um, but you know, they bring a lot of joy to my family, so th- they're welcome to stay as long as they like.
0: Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. So Zach, do you have children as well? I've got an 11 year old daughter. Yeah. And what has she taught you about mindfulness?
2: <laughs> well I, I have definitely learned a lot of patience um she's you know she's 11 um and going on 15 16 uh she's she's fully embraced the pre-teen um attitude and you know in in my house anyway i get the dad you know leave me alone 17 1800 times a day maybe um <laughs> but I, you know, I think, you know, the very first time she really taught me mindfulness was when she was a baby. She was a colicky baby. So, oh, okay. And we've come to discover now that she actually has a, like this rare condition where she can't burp. She physically doesn't have the, uh, the muscle to release the air out. Oh, so wow. like as a baby, she was probably just gassy all the time. Right. So she cried all the time for hours and hours and hours and no sleep. And I can just remember, like, getting to those modes where she was crying, I was getting upset, she cried more, I got more upset, and kind of fed off of each other. And I just remember, like, taking those few moments and be like, you know what, she's crying, I'm going to breathe, and was able to, like, bring myself down. So, like, that was just some amazing, an amazing opportunity with a human being that I loved so much that I had no choice but to succeed. Right. So in any other situation, if I was mad at the vacuum, I'd throw the vacuum through the wall. No questions, but wow. this is my kid. Right. So yeah, she really provided me
0: an environment where I had no choice but to be mindful. Yeah. Jeremy, I always ask you a question about bullying on my show because I used to work in bullying prevention all the time. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference?
1: Yes. uh, And speaking of guilt, I do have a twinge of guilt because this story still makes me laugh, even though it probably shouldn't. But in seventh grade, one of my friends, Eric, we'll call him because that's his name. He went around pantsing everybody all the time. That was his thing. He would run up and just drop someone's pants to humiliate them. Yeah. And everyone would laugh. Ha ha. Eric got somebody else. ha, Ha ha. And one day I got my shot. I had, I, Eric was in my sights. Is like, I'm going to get him back for everybody that he's gotten. Hands him, humiliated the guy. Like he was devastated and he went to the principal to, to like tattle on me. Mm-hmm. So I got detention. I laughed the whole time because I was like, you get what you get, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, that wasn't the right thing to do. You know, I, I humiliated somebody. No matter yeah. how much pain he brought to others, I should have had more compassion But i was a seventh grader i was a dope what are you gonna do so there's definitely things like that throughout my life where where you know my actions were not uh with the best of intentions uh or or certainly didn't produce the the best of results for the people around me so um you know definitely had had i been introduced to mindfulness had i been introduced to you know creating space and and recognizing this is a vengeful act you know and, and i could have stopped myself from humiliating somebody else. Uh, I definitely would have, you know, even though the story today is still hilarious and, and I enjoy telling it, Yeah, there there is a twinge of guilt uh, about that. So, you know, that definitely is a place where it could have uh, ended differently had I had the tools.
0: Yeah, for sure. Zach, do you have a story to share with us? Um, yeah, I think,
2: yeah, I actually had an interesting, uh, you know, experience one year um, where I don't I didn't know I was being mindful, but I know it was very, very helpful. Um, I had a a weird experience where like I did something and like all of my friends turned against me, um, Mm -hmm. like to the point where, um, you know, I'd like find random things that shouldn't be in my locker, in my locker, like just, you know, it was very weird and, and it all disappeared the next year, but I spent the entire year kind of getting like treated that way. And, looking back, I guess, yes, it was, I was bullied, you know, for the year. And then I went and worked with my dad who, he was a house painter. And if, if, if anyone has ever painted a room, you know, there's nothing more monotonous than painting a room. You need to be present. You need to know like where the brush is going. And he was an old school house painter. So there was no spray, spray guns. It was, we painted the whole house with just a brush. Mm -hmm. Um, And I spent the entire summer just kind of, you know, doing that thing. Um, and I had to be in in the moment and I don't think I realized it then. And I'm really just realizing it now that I spent the whole summer being mindful in, in, in a way. And then when school started again, like I just didn't care. Like I walked in and I was like, you know what, this is it. I'm okay. Life is life. And everyone saw that like what they were doing to me wasn't getting
0: like, wasn't bothering me anymore. And then everything just kind of turned around. That's a really great story. And I've always thought that painting You know, when you're painting a room, painting a house, it is a very mindful experience. Because like you say, you have to be in the moment to do that. So, but I've never had a guest on my show actually tell me that. So thank you for sharing that story with us. Yeah. Yeah. So as we move on in the interview, I want to ask you two guys five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, Jeremy, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life?
1: Uh, definitely, my therapist. I mean, I never would have explored any of this had I not started going to therapy. He was, uh, he believed in Buddhist philosophy and and really opened opened my eyes to what meditation could do and what just a mindful approach to life uh, could could bring. And so, between him and my bicycle, uh, there have been no greater influences on my mindfulness journey.
0: Awesome, Zach. Who is a person that's been a positive influence on you? Um, It's no one person, but I'm
2: I'm very picky about my yoga instructors and they have to be some, they have to be yoga instructors who are very mindful about mindfulness um, and include that as part of the practice. So like I, I very specifically choose them because their classes really allow me to spend an hour being encouraged to be mindful. So no one person, just a a collection
0: of really fantastic yoga teachers. Right. Jeremy, uh, tell me this. How has mindfulness changed the way you deal with your emotions?
2: Oh,
1: um, it is an ongoing struggle. It is something that, you know, again, as someone who battles depression, I, I, I have so much empathy for people that also battle it and don't have the tools that I have. Um, so even today I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going through some conflicts at home, just uh, some relationship issues and, and trying to make space for, you know, the feelings I'm having are feelings that I'm experiencing. They are not me. The thoughts I'm having about myself and my role in my family and my work life and everything, you know, I, I can't listen to the stories that I'm telling myself right now because they're toxic and they're terrible and they're going to perpetuate more, uh, uh, stagnation, I guess. So I'm, I'm trying so hard today to create that space and, and allow for a separation between who I am and what I'm experiencing because they are very different no matter how much the story I'm telling myself is that they are one and the same.
0: Right. Zach, let's talk about breathing. Do you have a comment about breathing in your life or a suggestion about a special technique or how important is, is this in your life? Uh, it, I mean, on top of the fact that
2: it keeps you alive, it is probably, you know, 80% of my day. Um, you know, I, I came into this interview a little bit hot because I was on another meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm on meetings all day where I have to talk in front of big groups of people. Um, I don't like public speaking. I hate it. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do. Um, so I actually breathe in a very specific pattern before and after during these meetings. And, and for anything in the world when I'm like, you know, if I, if I just have an, an anxious moment Um, I do something called box breathing Mm -hmm. and it's really just, you know, you inhale to a count of five, four or five, you hold it at the top for four or five, you exhale for four or five, hold it at the bottom for four or five and repeat that. And all it takes is maybe even just a minute, a minute and a half of doing that. But ideally you want to do it for about five minutes. Um, that actually activates your vagus nerve. And starts to reduce um, or it starts to activate your calming across your entire body. Um, it, it's one of the most amazing things that I've ever discovered. And it's free and it's built in already.
0: Awesome suggestion. Jeremy, I want to ask you if you can recommend a book. That's somehow related to mindfulness. Any books pop into your mind about this?
1: Uh, The cliche one is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle because it is so profound and it's just incredible. So if you have not read that, please read that. Another one that I really like is uh, The Cow in the Parking Lot. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Don't know that one. It's very similar to the story about the fisherman who's on his boat and the boat floats up and bumps into him. The whole time he's yelling, oh, get away, you're going to hit me. And then he realizes the boat's empty and, oh, there was nobody to be mad at. It's a similar story about a cow that's sitting in a parking space and, uh, you know, you're driving and you want to park, but there's a cow there. You can't really be mad at the cow, right? The cow's just being a cow. It's just a um, cow. It's just yeah. a cow. He's not, there's no ill will. He means no harm. He's just being a cow. So yeah. that's another one that I think just is a really fun story. And it's one that I you know, have, have tried to use to teach my kids about the idea of, you know, focusing on what's in your control and what's not in your control. Uh, so that's another fun one to, to keep on the
0: bookshelf. Well, I'll put all this on our uh, show in our show notes, mindfulnessmode.com, mindful tribe, so you can check it out. And one last question, I'll ask you, Zach: Is there an app that you would recommend that can help you to be more grounded or more mindful? Anything come to mind? Only only a couple of dozen. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> no.
2: Um, I actually have been a big fan of Calm. Um, yeah. I know Headspace and Calm have been. Um, I I go back and forth between the two, but. Um, you know, the, there's mindfulness and there's like quiet reflection and things like that, but sometimes you really just need somebody to walk you through it and to really guide you and help you. Um, because, you know, let's be honest, like nine times out of 10, I'm so frazzled, um, that I can't quite do it myself. So I really enjoy calm. It's got a lot of good programs, a lot of good guided meditations. It's got some, you know, sleep programs to help you get to sleep. Um, but headspace is also, you know, just as good. And I mean, there's, there's, there's so many of them out there now. Like you, you can, you could
1: find anything, but I'll throw, in, in, a plug. I'll throw in, yeah. in a plug for balance. Also balance is my oh, favorite
0: meditation. That, that is, is a good really one too. Good. Oh, okay. Balance. Okay. We'll put yeah, that it's, uh, it's, as well. it's
1: customized and it changes. Even if you do the same meditation over and over again, it changes every time. So it's not the same sort of monotonous thing. It's, it's a really well done.
0: Oh, very good. Okay, thanks for sharing that. And uh, yeah, so maybe you have some words of advice for us as we wrap up the podcast. I know you talk a lot on your show, on your podcast, The Fit Mess, about how to get through challenges in life and deal with messes, deal with... All kinds of situations. But what words of advice would you have for us as we wrap up the show, Jeremy, for anyone that's feeling kind of like they're in a mess right now?
1: I'm going to steal Zach's story and I'll I'll give him the heads up so that I don't uh, leave him with nothing to share. But I love how he explained it to me once when we were talking about when we came up with the concept for the show and the name of it. Is you know, you can, you can live in a completely messy house and you can be completely overwhelmed with, Oh, there's just so much, it's, it's going to take forever to clean this, but you don't have to do it all right now. If, if you're mm-hmm. hungry, you just need a path to the kitchen. If you need to use the washroom, you just need a path to the washroom. So if you can just focus on the path that's in front of you and just keep focusing on the thing that's in front of you, at some point you're going to turn around and go, most of the house is pretty clean. How did that happen? Where if you go into, the, into it with the approach of, I just, this is never going to happen, you're going to look at that mountain of stuff and go, this is never going to happen and it's never going to happen. So just, you know, it, it, it all comes back to mindfulness, right? Focus on what's in front of you. Focus on, focus on what's in your control and let go of everything else because all that other stuff is just baggage that's making the journey a lot more difficult.
0: Yeah, good advice. Zach, do you have any parting words of advice? Well,
2: since Jeremy stole my story, I guess I'll, I'll have to come <laughs> up with another one. <laughs> um yeah I would you know my 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 one big thing is is curiosity about yourself and knowing that you know who you are today is not who you're going to be tomorrow and it's all dependent on the decisions that you make and the choices that you make and the motivation that you have to create for yourself to be the person that you want to be or be a different person and that all starts with being curious and really examining you know who you are and the things that you believe and being okay with being wrong about the things that you believe because some of those things are wrong and some some of those things need to change so just be really curious about yourself and be really open with your beliefs your habits the way you operate and be open to change it's it's just how we grow and it's going to be uncomfortable i will warn you it's very uncomfortable but that
0: means you're in the you're going in the right direction. Thank you both for being on the show today. This has been a really interesting conversation and your podcast is very interesting too, The Fit Mess. So thanks so much Jeremy and Zach for being on the show.
1: Thank you thanks, Bruce. We really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah, All thanks for having us. You. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, once again, thank you for listening to the show, for being a a faithful subscriber. I appreciate it. If you haven't subscribed, I really would appreciate that. Just hit subscribe. and, And even if you want to do something over and above, if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing and so much appreciated. I want to thank my sponsor, Athletic Greens, and today I want to mention Grammarly. I do quite a bit of writing, and Grammarly does help me by quickly pointing out spelling or grammatical errors. I can write faster and more accurately using this. And you can get started for free by using my uh, affiliate link. Go to mindfulnessmode.com/grammarly. G R A m-m-a-r-l-y and uh, i just find it's awesome because it it works across different platforms like on my desktop it works on my phone works on apps and social media it's really helpful i just really enjoy it a lot and uh, so with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode